Hello and welcome to Z3 News. I'm James Bailey and today is Wednesday, July 1st, 2020. And today I'm presenting a topic that I believe is very much on the heart of God because his heart is for his people and his people are being deceived in very large numbers. And I'm talking hundreds of millions of his people. Hundreds of millions have already, uh, their denominations, uh, their Protestant denominations, have already formed alliances with the harlot church of Babylon. And I'm referring to the church of Rome. And I'm going to be explaining that because there's so much confusion there's so many lies, being so many twisted scriptures surrounding these events. And that's why so many are being deceived. And you know, when the disciples asked the Lord Jesus to tell them what would be the sign, the signs that they could watch for to know that his return is drawing near, the very first thing he said to them is, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And so, this was the very first thing he mentioned, the first item on his list, the first thing for us to be aware of, deception. And he said, many will be deceived. And so, this is a huge deal for the generation that's living at the time of his return. I believe with all my heart, based on many signs that are recorded in the scriptures, that we are that generation and we are now seeing the fulfillment of his warning with many being deceived. And who are the ones deceiving? The ones who come in his name. No, it's not the Jewish people. No, it's not the bankers. It's not the Rothschilds. It's not the Illuminati. It's the ones who come in his name. It's not the Muslims. It's not so many of the other culprits. It's not the deep state. No, it's not any of them. It's the ones he told us to watch for because they'll be coming in his name saying, I am the Christ. I am the vicar of Christ, the voice of of God on earth. I am the one who has the way that if you don't follow me and my church, if you don't become a member of the Roman Catholic Church, you are doomed for eternity. And that is a lie. That is nowhere found in the scriptures, but it is found everywhere. A cult is in operation. It's a common practice because it's the method that they use for controlling and manipulating their followers through fear. And his warning is echoed in many other scriptures, such as in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits, deceiving, lying spirits, and doctrines of demons. And it goes on to say that these are those who speak lies in hypocrisy. They say one thing, but yet they do a different thing. And it's because their conscience before God has been seared like with a hot iron. The number of people 
that are forming alliances with the Harlot Church right now is really remarkable. I couldn't believe it when I first saw it because I found a list that has at least 23 separate Protestant denominations around the world. And so I totaled up the, the total number of members of each of those denominations. And when I got my total, it was 2.3 billion Protestants. But the problem with that number is there aren't even that many in the whole world. According to Wikipedia, if their numbers are right, they say there's about eight to nine hundred million, so less than one billion. But yet these these different organizations, if you add them up, it's two point three billion. And so there's got to be overlap, there's got to be inflated numbers, but the point is we're talking huge numbers. We're talking about denominations that represent hundreds of millions of Christians. And now, of course, just because the leaders form these alliances, it doesn't mean that everyone in the denomination follows suit. But what it means is they're going to be swept in that direction. And unless they're willing to swim upstream, unless they have some information that contradicts what their leaders are telling them, then they're likely to just go with the flow. Because this, what we're dealing with here, is such a powerful deception. They are using the scriptures against us. They're using our own language against us. They're using phrases like the power of the Holy Spirit, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the powerful presence of God, all of these kinds of phrases and, and terminology that we're used to using in the sanctuary, in the, in the place of safety with our brothers and sisters, they've come in and they've picked up on these words and phrases and added to it certain scripture verses that they like to use, such as this one, John seventeen twenty one says that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And so they like this verse because they use it against us to say, see, you must all join together with the harlot church. And so that's an example of how they are twisting the scriptures, to use it for their own advantage, to deceive, to mislead us, to make us think that this is a good thing, it's a godly thing, when in fact it is from the pit of hell, and we must be on guard. We have to have discernment to see through their schemes, and so that's why I want to share different uh, examples of what they've been doing so that when we see these things operating, we recognize the scheme and we're not deceived. And so one thing I want to point out right here is that according to the scriptures, there are boundaries, there are limits to what we uh, join ourselves together for the purpose of unity. And any so-called brother or sister in the faith 
is uh, to be avoided if they don't align themselves in their life with the way of righteousness. And we're given a lot of specific details on that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. Some of the examples that it gives there is we're not to uh, align ourselves or join with anyone who practices sexual immorality. And the, the word there that it uses is pornos, which is where we get the word pornography. And so this is referring to uh, people who practice uh, fornication and any kind of sexual impurity. We're not to have anything to do with them if they do that. And guess who's had a long history, a long unrepentant history of practicing these things? Yes, that's right. It's the Harlot Church of Rome. Even right now today, the New York Diocese of the Roman Catholic Church has over 100 lawsuits that have been filed against them by victims. These are young boys who have been sexually assaulted by Roman Catholic priests in that one diocese. And so these are the kinds of things that have been going on, not just in New York. That's just one example. These things come to the surface uh, are all over the world and have for decades. And it's because there's never any repentance. They practice these things and they always have going back for thousands of years to the early days of the Roman Republic, the Roman Empire, and the Roman Catholic Church. It is filled with sexual immorality. And in that same passage, it tells us, do not join yourself together with anyone who practices idolatry, which is bowing down before physical images, things like statues, things like crucifixes, and rosary beads, and holy water, and all kinds of relics. And they do these things in total disregard for the scriptures, which command us, Thou shalt not make unto thee a graven image, nor any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself unto them, nor serve them. And that is in Exodus chapter 20, verses 4 and 5. But yet they do these things without repentance. They do it openly, and they want everyone to endorse it, to accept it, and to practice it like they do. And they do these things because they're continuing the pagan practices from way back, going all the way back to Babylon. They're continuing the same pagan religion, and they've just uh, put a little bit of lipstick on it to make it look like it's Christian. But it's not Christian, and it never has been. And if we go back to that same list from 1 Corinthians chapter 5, and they're listed there in verse 11, the next item on the list is to not be joined together and not keep company with anyone who is a reviler. And I looked that word up in the Greek, it's loidos, and it means someone who is abusive. And what would be examples of being abusive? How about uh, sex trafficking of children? Would that be abusive? 
I think that would qualify. What about drug trafficking uh, across the whole world? Would that be abusive? Yes, I think that would qualify. And what about committing genocide, uh, mass murdering people just based on their race? Yes, all those things would qualify as being abusive. And those are the very things that have been practiced by this Roman harlot church for not just hundreds of years, but going back much further, all the way back to the beginning of the Roman Empire and the Roman Republic. Rome has always been known for abusing the neighboring peoples around them for their own advantage, for their own gain. And another item listed there in verse 11 is swindlers. Have nothing to do with anyone who is a swindler. And I looked that one up too. It's a Greek word, harpax. And it has to do with being greedy and having an excessive desire to acquire money and to be willing to do anything to get it, including extortion, threatening to expose embarrassing information about other people so that you can force them to do what you want, and preying on other people like a predator would, like a ravenous wolf would, eager to take what they have, even their life, if it would help them get what they want. And, of course, this would also include outright robbery, just illegally taking from someone else. And they either do it outright or they just threaten them. They threaten them with violence. And if you don't do what we say, if you don't give us what we want, we're going to do this or that. And so my point is anyone who comes to us using these kinds of scriptures, talking about unity as a, as a means to get us to join forces with them, we are required, according to the scriptures, to examine the evidence of their life and their ministry and their practice and all the records of the past are fair game to examine those two, to consider who are these people that we're dealing with. And there are many other scriptures that will help us in this way. For example, the Bible identifies that there will be the rise of this global religion in the last days, just prior to the return of the Lord. And so when we begin to hear these things of this large religion of Roman Catholicism that has 1.2 billion followers, and that they're adding to that some hundreds of millions of Protestants by forming these alliances, and at the same time, Rome is forming alliances with the leaders of every major religion, including the Muslims, the Hindus, the Buddhists, and just about any other religion you can think of. They're going for total unity, a global church with them at the head of it. And so if we just know the scriptures, then we would know and recognize that this has been prophesied. This is that which we were warned about. There would be this rise of a global religion. And 
It's something, according to the scriptures, that we want to stay far away from. It is not a good thing because this so-called church will do the same thing that the Roman Catholic Church has been doing for hundreds of years, and that is killing Christians and Jews. That's right. They've been doing the same thing throughout the centuries, and they're scheming to do it again. And the Bible tells us that this one world religion, that they will make war with the saints, and they will overcome them, just as they've done in the past. Many will be put to death. And these evil harlots will have, finally have, the unity that they've been seeking for so long. Because the Bible tells us in Revelation 13 verse 8 that all who dwell on the earth will worship this beast, everyone whose name has not been written in the book of life. And they won't have an option because Anyone who refuses to worship the beast will be put to death. That's where this false religion is ultimately going. And so this appears to be a very easy uh, thing to recognize when we look at it from the perspective of the scriptures and from the perspective of true history. And so I find it amazing that so many people could be deceived into joining into these alliances. And it shows how far we have come, because if we go back to the beginning of the Reformation, to those men who dug into the Scriptures and exposed the Roman Catholic Church for being a harlot, anti-Christ religion, they had no wavering among them. They were firm and uncompromising in their views, and they were willing to put their life on the line. And I'm referring to men like Martin Luther, and Philip Melanchthon, and William Tyndale, and John Rogers, and John Knox, and John Calvin, and Thomas Cranmer, and Hugh Latimer, and many others. They were all of one mind and one accord, and they all, we have quotes from all of them, saying that this harlot church is from the Antichrist spirit. And the harlot church of Rome put some of them to death for the crime of daring to believe the scriptures and daring to submit to God instead of the Pope. Yet, even when faced with death, these men were so courageous, they were so uncompromising, that they would not back down on anything that they believed. And William Tyndale was one of those who was burned at the stake after being choked with a chain around the stake. But even in his death, he held firm to his faith and cried out with his last words, Lord, open the King of England's eyes. And so William Tyndale was unable to finish the work he had started in translating the scriptures into English, but one of his associates, John Rogers, carried the work forward. And so this harlot church murdered him too. John Rogers 
was put in prison and led to his death where he was burned at the stake. But before they burned him, they gave him an opportunity to save his own life. They put before him his wife and his 11 children, including one who was just a baby being held in the arms of his wife. And they held up the Roman Catholic sacraments and said to him, all you have to do is agree that the sacraments are truly changed into the literal physical body and physical blood of Jesus during the communion. That was all he had to do to save his own life. But John Rogers refused to compromise. He answered back, saying, That which I have preached, I will seal with my blood. And so they burned him at the stake for that. And a very similar thing happened to Thomas Cramner. Just like John Rogers, he was also put in prison for some time and treated terribly. And eventually he was brought out and brought before a large group meeting in a church. And he was given the opportunity to renounce his faith, to recant of all of his uh, statements against the Pope and against the Catholic Church. And knowing that his life was in the balance, the Catholics assumed that he would crumble under the pressure and that he would say what they wanted him to say. But instead, he said, As for the Pope, I refuse him as Christ's enemy and Antichrist with all his false doctrines. And what happened next is summed up beautifully in Fox's Book of the Martyrs, which says, Upon the conclusion of this unexpected declaration, Amazement and indignation were conspicuous in every part of the church. The Catholics were completely foiled, their object being frustrated. Cranmer, like Samson, having completed a greater ruin upon his enemies in the hour of death than he did in his life, and Cranmer would have proceeded in the exposure of the popish doctrines, but for the murmurs of the idolaters drowning his voice and the preacher gave an order to lead the heretic away. And so, Thomas Cranmer was executed in the year 1556, which was during the reign of England's Queen Mary, and she only reigned for about five or six years, but during that time she had so many Christians put to death, burned at the stake, that she was known as Bloody Mary. And so this was the climate of England and other areas of Europe during the early years of the Reformation as the Catholics resorted to brute force to bring Protestants back into submission to the Pope. And it was just a short time after that that Elizabeth became Queen of England in 1558 and she reigned for 45 years until her death in 1603. And it was during those years that the people of England witnessed repeated attempts by Catholics and specifically by Jesuits to murder their queen. And so these people knew 
firsthand the dangers presented by the Catholics. And that's the reason why Queen Elizabeth had to crack down on the Jesuits, in some cases having them publicly executed. In other cases, they were expelled from the nation repeatedly because they continued to come back under disguises, operating under alias names, and even pretending to be Protestants. And so that's why they were expelled from England in 1584 and again in 1606. And this cycle just continued to repeat because they were right back again afterwards. And this was also happening in other nations throughout Europe. And that's the reason why by 1773, the Jesuits had been expelled from 83 nations. And that number does include some nations expelling them multiple times. But it is the biggest and clearest indictment in history of the Jesuits because it is a unanimous consensus of everywhere they went. Their evil practices had to be kicked out because they were inherently traitors, because their loyalty was to the Pope and not to the king of whatever nation they were in. And this is a history that they so desperately do not want people to know about today. This is the history that they have whitewashed, not only from our school textbooks, but also, as much as it's in their power, they try to remove it from every sort of history, documentary, book, movie, whatever, so that nobody knows what really happened, and nobody knows how evil they really are. But I thank God because there have been throughout history courageous men and women who were willing to record the facts of history. And if we had these facts, we would know better than to form alliances with the Pope. And we would know that the Pope has been controlled by the Jesuits since they were reinstated in 1814, as I shared in my previous program. And so we have this wrong thinking today that the danger has passed, but the exact opposite is the truth. They're more dangerous today than they've ever been. They never once recanted on any of the positions they took at the Council of Trent, which met over a series of years from 1545 to 1563, and it was at that council where they repeatedly stated anathema, which means cursed be all heretics, cursed be everyone who does not come into submission to the Pope. They stated openly what their intentions were, and they've been pursuing it ever since, and it's a big mistake to think that they ever changed because they never even claimed to. The only thing that has changed is that we have forgotten the facts of history. And so we have forgotten the danger. We don't realize the danger that exists today. And so that's the reason why you have Christian leaders all over the world today entering into alliances with the spirit of Antichrist. And the hour is late 
because these things have been underway now already for decades, going all the way back to 1965 when the Catholics concluded the Second Vatican Council, which is where they launched this major new push, an ecumenical push to bring all the religions of the world under their spell, under their control, by reaching out to them under the guise of humanitarian concerns and an interest in unity. But the only reason why they're interested in unity is to bring everyone back into submission to the Pope. Notice who they put at the head of these ecumenical meetings. It's always the Pope. All of the other religions in submission to him. He's the one in charge. And that's the way it's going to be all the way until the end. As we see in Revelation 13, this one who has the appearance of the Lamb. And in Revelation 20, he's called the false prophet. And Revelation 13 reveals that he is a great deceiver. And this is the role that the Jesuits have played throughout history. They are masters of deception. They are a military order under the guise of a priesthood. They wear the garments of the priests whenever it serves their best interest to do so. But other times they take on different appearances. But always they're well trained to use the sword or the poison cup or whatever it takes to take out whoever they need to take out to accomplish their mission. And I'm going to be sharing much more about the Jesuit schemes of deception, which they use for the purpose of infiltration. So I'm not going to get into all that in this program, but I will be getting into it in my upcoming program because we need to expose these devils. We need to expose them to the light so everyone can see what's truly operating among us. And even though the hour is very late, we're far better off to understand what's really happening rather than to continue to operate in darkness and deception all the way through until it's too late for us. We still have opportunity to reach friends and family members and explain to them the truth. For those who have ears to hear it, it could make the difference in saving their life from destruction. Well, I think that's a good place to stop for today. So thanks for joining me today, and I hope to be back again soon with another program. Until then, so long.